Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to PHLY Flyers presented by Mortgage CS. Check out mortgagecs.com slash PHLY to start your home buying process today. Company NMLS ID number 1464766. And that's all the time we <laughs> now. I, I guess we'll uh, I guess we'll do a post game today as I am contractually obligated to do one. Uh, it seemed as if the Flyers were only out there today because they were contractually obligated. Oh, yeah. I'm Bill Match, your director of Fun and Games. That's JP Zapata. Up, guys? Uh, Charlie O'Connor will be joining us shortly. I can't imagine there's going to be uh, a whole lot of <laughs> post-game uh, press availability. I, I don't see John Tortorella sticking around long today, so we'll probably have Charlie O'Connor sooner than later after Should today's... Six to two ass kicking at the hands of the Boston Bruins. Honestly, um, I went back mm-hmm. into my text messages. My buddy Frankie, who longtime listeners will know, uh, is basically my collaborator for all things Flyers. Uh, I run all my shit by him. And he goes, why are you testing your material out on me? I thought we were friends. <laughs> and I'm like, we are. That's why that's how I need to get my reactions. Uh, last night at 1059, I sent him a text when we were talking about the Flyers. I said, okay. I like, you know, I expect them to bounce back after the break. I think they're exhausted. I think they're banged up. Uh, I also expect them to lose eight to one tomorrow. So in the Boston minus seven uh, (laughs) spread that I set for the Flyers, they actually covered only lost six to two today. But it was uh, they came out right away today. The Flyers, and they looked pretty good. They Mm -hmm. looked like they had some energy. They were ready to put the last couple games behind them. But they didn't get an early lead. They weren't able right. to score. The shots were like 9-4 at one point. They looked okay. And I was like, yeah. they need to get a lead in this one because they've been doing this. One thing goes wrong, and then the whole, the whole thing goes to hell real quick. Uh, and that's exactly what happened today. Uh, Pasternak scores. No shock there. He always scores against the Flyers. Uh, and then all of a sudden it was four nothing. Yeah, it was four nothing before the end of the first period. Uh, the game was over after twenty minutes. Yeah. It was it, it was a shame what went on out there today. I can only just hope that after this time off that they clearly so badly need it's the reset and they worked too hard in the first half of this season for March and April to become meaningless. Right. Like, I really, really want to see them rewarded for what they did in the first, you know, today was game 50. Mm-hmm. They've played a shit ton of hockey. They're exhausted. They're banged up. I'm just hoping we get back to what we were seeing out of them because, man, more games like today, I that sucks. Yeah, I mean, this losing streak has definitely been rough. And like you mentioned, it's, it's just... It hurts because of the way this team was playing early on the season. To see it now, it is reminiscent of kind of what we've been dealing with the past couple of years during the Chuck Fletcher era. And then in that Chuck Fletcher era, any time you saw Boston on the schedule, you cringe as a Flyers fan. And of course, Pasta comes into town. Anytime Pasta's playing the Flyers, you might as well take that anytime goal because he's might as well just go, he's gonna score in that game. Uh, come, the Flyers. Coming into today, he had 24 goals in 28 yeah, career games against the Flyers. So he got numbers 25 and 26 in game 29. Yeah. I mean, four career hat tricks against the Flyers. I'm kind of shocked he didn't get one today. Um, 
he is going to get to a point where he has more goals than games played against this team. <laughs> like, yeah. He is going to catch the games played number. He's I mean, 26 and 29 games. It's, you know, a hat trick and a two goal game and he's there. Like, he's unfreaking believable. But what's even crazier is it's the most he has against any, any team. team. Yeah. More so than teams in his division. <laughs> He's got, I think it's 22 against Tampa in like 20, in like 33 games. But then we play like six times in 21. That's the year after the pandemic year when it was like everyone was just only played right. in their region. We were in Boston's division, basically, and he he ran it up there. I mean, he had two hat tricks in a month against them that in the month of February 2021. <laughs> he had two hat tricks about. like right there. I mean, what are you going to do? The dude has absolutely demolished the Flyers, and he continued to do so today. Uh, JVR also, uh, I think, three points, a goal, and two assists. We saw that coming, though, right? I mean, it's really funny what he's been. He was on a ten goal or ten game goalless streak coming in. So obviously he was going to break that. Uh, but just looking at his numbers, his assist rate is the best of his career. Yep. Two more today. So he needs 10 assists the rest of the season to set a new career high. Yeah. It just, I'll always just, wow. Couldn't well, trade that guy, huh? But like we all <laughs> knew he wasn't broken. It's just the fact is the situation in Philly wasn't yes. good. And the contract wasn't helping us trying try to trade him. Yeah, Chuck, you probably should have gotten something. No, but he is—he's the definition of a complimentary player. Like right. you put him yeah. out there with good guys, yep. he's going to be pretty good. We see that today. Like, oh yeah, he's playing with pasta. How about that? He's good again. Like, yeah. he just—it was never going to work here for a variety of reasons. Uh, the goal scoring dried up for the Flyers. I mean, he's not scoring a ton of goals. Like I just said, ten-game goalless streak. Uh, but he's just playing good hockey. They like what they're getting out of JVR right now, and. Yeah. Like Philly was paying him seven million dollars, the Bruins are paying him one. Like yeah. now, all of a sudden, you go from like, oh yeah, this guy, like okay, he's, he's playing okay, but it's seven mil. Jesus, yeah. he stinks. And it's like, well, for a million, yeah, he's playing great. Yeah. Like, you just have that little balancing act. But it was, it was all Boston today. I. I I hope Charlie joins soon, just because I'm like, I want to get to the shit I have to ask him, and then quite honestly, like, what what are we supposed to talk about on this show? Uh, <laughs> they got killed, and they haven't looked very good recently. Um, but this thing, like, with Boston, it, it, it is absolutely crazy. And, like, I guess I wanted to ask you here in this po in post game show here. So, obviously, the 2010 second-round series against Boston, obviously super memorable for us Flyers <laughs> fans. But like ever since that moment, Boston has—I feel like have had the edge over us. Did we sell oh, yeah. our souls it, it in was, that series? Because because like look what's been going on ever since then. I mean, just the following year, like not Swept. winning is what killed. Like you don't come back from three zero and then not finish it off. Like that's what that kills you. And then the following year. Uh, they get swept by Boston, and it basically leads to, I mean, Mike Richards, nice little moment last night, but yeah. that's the last time we saw Richards was <laughs> was in that series. Seriously. And uh, it, it it basically is what tore the frame. Like, that was the beginning of the end that has led to finally what this rebuild is now. Yeah. Like, that series <laughs> in 2011 against Boston started the ball rolling on where we are currently, you know, 12, 13 years later. Yeah. Uh, so it's, Yeah. Uh, that that was the high point beating boston was the high point of like the flyers in my lifetime and it has 
pretty much been downhill ever since. And now this current Boston team, which feels, which is led by David Pasternak and his play, essentially. I, I saw on Twitter before coming in, shouts to NBA Slime on Twitter. He goes on Wikipedia and says the owner of the Flyers is David Pasternak. But, like, you mentioned all the numbers that he's been doing. And even, like, the, the losing streak sucks, but it does feel like a lot of the same trends are happening. You look at Colorado, you look at Tampa, some of the talent that they have. Pasternak, some, a talent that always kills us. It felt like in those two goals where he contributed or scored a goal, that was really the difference. And it feels like every time we play Boston, all it is, Pasta makes some big plays, puts the Flyers down, and then the Boston Bruins just have to control the tempo of the game for the rest of the way. And it felt like that again here today. And I guess that's one of the... Uh one of the concerning things you mentioned, like what's been going on recently in these games, Yeah, Boston, you're at home, Tampa, you're at home, Colorado, you're at home. Now they put out pretty decent efforts yeah. against Colorado. This was and the Tampa. worst one for this sure. This is by far. I mean, they got their asses kicked today. There's no, Oh, well they played pretty well. I don't care what they, they could have outshot Boston a hundred to six. They did not play well today. Um, that is crazy. But the trend of the star players doing this to the Flyers, I realize you can't just let the other coach basically set your lines for you. <laughs> and it's like, well, they put out Pasternak, so we have to put out Couturier and you'll want to match up. But the fact is, at home, you can match up. And the other teams, the, this is not a surprise. This is not like, oh, yeah, some guy on the third line just, just went off tonight. Nothing you can do about that. Like... You know who Nathan McKinnon is. You know who Nikita Kucherov is. You know who David Pasternak is. You want Sean Couturier and company out there against them, and you are completely unable to slow these guys down. Yep. That is a bit of a concerning trend just in that Sean Couturier ain't going nowhere. Mm -hmm. Like He is here, and we need him to be Selkie-level guy. He is never going to be a superstar but he's made a career of shutting down superstars or dramatically slowing down superstars. And we saw it earlier in the season. He was making plays against Connor McDavid, making plays against Vancouver, making plays against Vegas, where it was like, he's back. Yeah. Coots is back. And I'm not putting this on Couturier. Like, right. that's not, I'm just saying it's a concerning trend in this losing streak that projecting forward if it continues, does not bode well for how they're going to build the team when they're great again, right. when they're planning on being legit contenders again. Couturier is going to be a part of it, mm -hmm. and he's going to be a part of it at almost $8 million a year. Uh, he needs the entire situation, the team defensively. I mean, he could have had his guy every time on these. Right. I'm not watching the film, and quite honestly, after the, after the first period, I was barely watching the game, you know? <laughs> it was tough. I, yeah, I was kind of just scrolling Twitter, seeing what everyone else was talking about, so I knew what the hell I was going to talk about on this show. Uh, but, like, it's just one of those, man, at home, you need to be able to slow those dudes down a little, and they've done the opposite of that during this losing right. streak. I want to bring up a point Charlie mentioned in the last postgame show, because it does seem like a lot of the guys are banged up, and it's like the only thing oh. that we can think of because of the way these guys have been playing as late does feel like gas kind of does wear off at the end there. But Coots is a guy who's coming off some serious injuries yeah. here. And one does have to wonder. And he's missed some time. Yeah, because we're not there every day. So one does have to wonder, is the body holding up properly for him to play the way he wants to? Because we know he, he, he wants to. He's putting in the effort out there. But sometimes, you know, father, uh, father time is always undefeated here. So we'll, we'll see. We have to wait to see what this team does look like after the break. But you're That's right. 
But when, when you're talking about this losing streak here, you're looking at guys like Hoots, guys like TK, like the, the, the main leaders of this team and how they are producing. That's I mean, Tippett was a big blow. For sure. Uh, Tippett is also, like, it, he's never going to be Nathan McKinnon. Like, we're not talking <laughs> about the best player in the league here. Like, yeah, if the Oilers lose McDavid, it's, okay, they're probably not going to be as good. Owen Tippett has been a great spark plug for this team, and he was hot when he got hurt, and that sucks for them. Yeah. If it's like, oh, well, we lost Owen Tippett, and now we're we're bad. Yeah. It's like, well, that's, that's concerning. But I am withholding judgment until they get back. Yeah. I want to see what happens when they, like, you see Travis Konechny out there. Now, Travis is always a shit disturber, <laughs> but he just... Like he's going from like annoying to pissed off right now. Right. He just looks yeah. like a guy who's like, and you know what? My knee hurts. Like I'm just gonna trip this dude. Yeah. Like I'm just gonna slash this dude. Like he did today. He's frustrated. And like TK Couturier, they're the ones. It's nice when the young guys contribute. Like mm -hmm. yeah, uh, Tyson Forster, two goals today. Way to go. Um, he's looked pretty good recently. You know, when Owen Tippett's doing it, that's awesome. When you get, you know, the efforts out of Bobby Brink, when you see the young defensemen, York and Drysdale doing stuff, that's cool. When you're in a slump like this, it has to be Coots and TK and yeah. Sanheim as well. The veterans on this team, the guys making the most money, up, they man. look... Hopefully, it's just they're banged up. Yeah. Like, hopefully, it's like, okay, yeah, eight days off and we'll be okay. Like, that's because... They're the ones that I see kind of dragging right now the most. Yeah. And listen, it's game 50. They have played a ton of hockey. After today, they will have played the most uh, games in the league. Yeah, no one will have played more than them going into this break. That's going to wear on you. Like, yeah. That's going to – that it's for a team that's whole thing is, yeah, we block shots, we work our asses off. Yo, eventually the tank's empty. Yeah. And if a couple of guys – like, if it's just like – Ah, oh, yeah, it's a sprained ankle. It's no big deal. It's going to wear you down. Like, it hurts. It Being in pain takes energy away from you. So hopefully this break is just is just exactly what they need right now. I'm just going to bring up a quick point. I want to make a reference to our Philadelphia Union. For all my Flyer <laughs> Union fans, you can understand this as well. The Union, if they don't have, if they're missing a piece from the starting 11, they don't play the same style of soccer. It, with this Flyer team currently, I do feel like, and we're seeing it, you're missing a key piece in Owen Tip, especially on offense. That means it's more pressure for other guys. This team has played really well as a team. They've been feeding off of each other. And if all those guys are not there, you can kind of see what's been going on. They're fighting their ass off. But sometimes when you got a, a more talented team like the Boston Bruins, these things can happen. But we shouldn't be losing 6-2 either. No, that's if you're the team that's like turns every game into a rock fight and you're going to play our way, like you shouldn't be giving up four goals in two minutes. Like there's something else going on here. And that's talking about the concerning trends like – it's starting to look like years past. Yeah. And I'm willing to just say they're exhausted and banged up for now. Mm -hmm. It's if they get the eight days off and then come out of the break and it's it looks flat. the same, then it's like, damn, they kind of just wasted their time with all those wins in the first half of the season because now we're going to be picking 12th and not make the playoffs like yeah. okay so we have the worst case scenario everything fell apart the team's nowhere near as good as we thought and we're not going to be picking in the top 10 like let alone the top five it's they're at a real crucial like crossroads right now of no, how seriously. this season is going to go 
And more importantly, I want to bring back a point that we were talking about during the offseason. This year, you were trying to kind of change the narrative around the team, making the play against the Flyers tough again. And especially I was looking forward to this game against the Boston Bruins because we talked about it. Playing against Boston as of late, we've been getting murdered. So I just, if, even if we lost today, Bill, I just wanted them to go out there and fight, make Boston's life a living hell here today. Be physical, be out physical, the Boston Bruins. And unfortunately, none of that happened here. And in Boston Again, next time they play Philly, they're going to be like, oh, the Flyers. <laughs> it's, oh, we got this. No, it's uh, – and they said it on the broadcast. Like, it's points night. It's everyone get your cookies tonight, man. Like, that can't everyone's happen, padding their stats in a game like this. It's oh, – I made my – I made myself a couple hundred extra grand because, like, <laughs> I'm going to end the po- – I'm going to end the season with 65 points <laughs> instead of 60. You know, like, it's just – that's what it is right now. I don't expect it to continue, but it's – it's a worry of mine. I think it's definitely yeah. possible. Uh, let's take a quick second and tell you about Bagels and Company. Uh, Brooklyn-style bagels made right here with Philly love. First thing you have to know about Brook- uh, about Bagels and Company, the biggest bagels in Philly, hence the Brooklyn name. I like to say Jersey-style bagels, but I get it. New York, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. <laughs> then not only huge bagels, but a huge variety of bagels at Bagels and Company, usually 15 to 20 different types to choose from daily. And when you have that many bagels to choose from, you're going to want a big cream cheese uh, selection. Oh, they have that as well. 30 different flavors of cream cheese available to you at Bagels and Company. All of that. You know that they do the uh, the holiday, the seasonal stuff, the sports-themed uh, bagels and cream cheeses, anything you want. Maybe you're hosting a party, a tailgate, something like that, uh, office party. And make it a little special. Everyone does the, you know, the pretzel tray. Everyone does the chicken nugget tray. Mix it up a little. Go with Bagels and Company for your next event. Because they're an affordable brand. That's a huge thing. I mean, everything's effing expensive. Went to the grocery store the other day, dropped, dropped like my mortgage on eight things, I'm pretty sure. Uh, you get a lot of food for cheap, and that's huge for anyone right now. So for the best Brooklyn-style bagels made right here in Philly, head to thebagelsandco.com store-locator to find the closest Bagels & Co. near you. And while we're talking about saving money, man, I mean... I've told you this plenty of times. I'm, I might not be the best with my finances. And that's <laughs> that's where Rocket Money comes in. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. I can see all my subscriptions in one place. And if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with just a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. And that is dream come true for me. Rocket Money will even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of ra- wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20 percent all you have to do is take a picture of your bill and rocket money takes care of the rest rocket money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of 720 dollars a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions it's a buck here it's a buck there all of a sudden it's a few hundred dollars a year that's mm-hmm. what that's what they can end up saving you so stop wasting money on things you don't use cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com phly that's rocketmoney dot com slash phly rocketmoney.com slash phly uh one guy i do want to talk about today is uh sam erson coming mm. into the game 
Uh, his last three starts, he was 0-3 and 0 with an 8.41 save percentage and a goals against average nearing four. He did nothing to help those numbers today. He let in four goals on 14 shots in the first period. Now, the first three. I mean, there's a slam dunk play in there. There's like a triple deflection on the first goal. There was a lot going on on some of these goals. But in his last four starts, he has an 820 save percentage. Yeah. That's 100 points too low. I, I don't, I'm not putting, again, like not piling on Sam Harrison today. And you saw John Tortorella, uh, they showed it on the broadcast after Cal Peterson came out for the second period. Talked to him, gave him a little pep talk. Like, obviously, it's not all on this dude. And he probably feels like he has the weight of the world on his shoulders with the uh, Carter Hart situation right now. But what he's doing isn't good enough. Like, he just hasn't been good enough, despite how bad they've been in front of him as well. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't had a lot of help. That's That's the main thing here. And we talked about before, you know, Sam is out there every single start. He's trying to win the game. But when you are a young goaltender, you're not getting a lot of help. The team as a whole is going on a little bit of a slide. Unfortunately, this is another part that we're just going to have to wait till after the break, see how this team does play as a whole and maybe makes Sam's job life a little bit easier. But no, I mean, this is definitely something maybe we could talk with Charlie again, uh, what the plan is for this position right now, because I don't know. I mean, Cal letting two goals wasn't wasn't terrible in the two periods he played. He got trucked by Sanheim oh on the God. one. Like, <laughs> yeah. what are you going to do? And uh, he's, and I'm not saying I'm not even helping him out. Like, help him up at least. Like, it was a bad play by him, but help your guy up. I just hope everyone just, like, go wherever everyone's happy place is, just, like, go there during the break and, like, serious. I don't know if it's seriously contemplate or just totally forget about hockey for a few days. Like, I don't know which they need, but this team, like they need that reset button, man. Like they need it so bad. Just watching something like that happen. Like there's no team that NHL is dying for this break more than the flyers. (laughs) How do you just run straight into your, like that was basically, that was the highlight of the game. Honestly, that summed up today's game. Perfectly. Sanheim trying to defend a guy. He's trailing him. Just runs right in, trucks the goalie, and then an easy, basically empty net goal. I just, but Erson, uh, he's in a tough spot right now. Like, there's no mm-hmm. doubting he came into the year as the backup. There was a time early in the season when it was like they couldn't find him time. Right. And the first couple of starts, it was like, gee, this is going poorly. This is going poorly. And he was excellent for about two months. And now, it's fallen off a little bit for him, and they got in a nice rhythm of the every other game, switching the goalies. Uh, but <laughs> playing every night for him might not be the best. And they don't, I mean, do they want to put Cal Peterson in there? No, they've clearly have very little confidence in Felix Sandstrom. I know some people are suggesting going out and finding another goalie to split the net with, uh, with Arison. It might not be the worst thing in the world just because. We've seen good teams this year, like a bunch of really good teams, cup contenders. How much bad goaltending can drag you down? This team isn't that good talent-wise, you yeah. know? they If they don't get at least adequate goaltending, there's very little that they'll be able to do in terms of keeping themselves in this playoff race. So it doesn't help when you look at the other side of the ice and you got Olmark and, and then, Sh- yeah, and Shaman, you know, Shaman. last year's Vezina winner across the ice from you. Like he was he was pretty good today. I wouldn't say he was awesome. He was decent today. He did everything he A had good to do. Screen on Scott Lawton too. Olmark. <laughs> 
just like a four goal game and you're diving like this is absolutely I realized he was in the crease and you can't touch the goalie. Yeah. Also, be tougher than that. You're a hockey. I know you're a goalie, but still, you're a hockey player. You know, like it says NHL player on your W-2. <laughs> Let's be a little bit tougher than guy bang skates with you and now you're belly flopping. Uh, I, this is by no means the biggest story of today's game. But, bro, be a, a fraction tougher than uh, drawing that penalty up 4-1 today. I'm the soccer guy. Even I hate it that. So. Uh, listen, Scott Lawton, <laughs> he, he's had his head up his ass the last yeah. few games. Uh, I'm not in any way defending Scott Lawton. Don't penalty bump the into two. the goalie. They're trying to do that. But, like, really, you needed to do that. I, I, was, I found that very annoying today. Just in a day where nothing went right for the Flyers. They were just trolling us by the The refs period. giving him that call was like, really, this is, <laughs> this is what we're doing. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the goaltending today. Uh, there, was, there was a fun highlight early in the game. Uh, Joel Faraby tried the Michigan. <laughs> uh, you know, I really thought, like, the way the team came out, they really came out strong in the first few minutes of the game. I was like, all right, they're going to really be looking to, like, uh, really be looking to erase, you know, put this behind them, go out on a good note, home crowd, all the Mark Recchi ceremony and everything. Yeah. And, uh, like, the you know, Faraby tried the Michigan. Like, okay, they're feeling it today, man. It was just a utter disaster for the next 55 minutes of the game. <laughs> I just want to know what Torch's reaction was once he saw Joel Farabee attempting to do a Michigan, because we all know his style. <laughs> and I could just imagine just Torch be like, oh, what the hell? <laughs> like, I bet, like, if they win today's game 6-2, yeah. it's not an issue. Yeah. But in a game that you got just your yeah, head me, handed man. to you, like, I can see that coming up in film later, being like, so what are we doing? You know, maybe try, maybe try the highlight real shit when you're not on a four-game losing streak. Like, maybe try that stuff at a more appropriate time. But, listen, it's a thing now. Like, guys try this move. I'm surprised it took this long. Yeah. I went, apparently, at the... Um, at the alumni game last night, Hartnell tried it. So maybe it was like a, someone <laughs> dared him to do it. Maybe Hartnell put who the hell knows? Like, you know, it's locker room stuff, but we talked about it. It's it's like the kids now, like for kids, young hockey players, it's the Michigan. For kids in basketball, it's shooting the three. It, it's it is what it is. Everyone wants to do the flashy thing. It's they like kids practice this shit. Now, like I remember years ago, Scott Hartnell being like, uh, when I came into the league, I could barely puck handle and like None of the young guys, like, yes, the upper end dudes, like, the first overall pick, but, like, no one had this skill. And then he's, he's like, everyone comes into the league now. Like, they're the best puck handlers in the league. Every next draft class is now the best puck handlers because they just keep getting That's better at this do. stuff. And it's – the game has changed. And I think Tortorella knows that. He lets – he – he leads us to believe sometimes he's this dinosaur. And then when you really hear him talk about the game, he gets it. But yeah. – after like after the fact, I think he's gonna be annoyed by it. Yeah. Cause like, ah, well, you lost six two. You tried the flashy shit. You forgot <laughs> to play the hockey. Yeah, because <laughs> like although like the skill level of these players is increasing, at the end of the day, the physicality is still in the sport. I know like the physicality has has maybe declined a little bit, but the physicality portion is still a factor in the sport. And I, I guess that's why Torts always likes to chew players out for that type of stuff. I'm really interested to find out if Charlie has any insight on just like 
the mindset of the team right now? If they're, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they're frustrated. Like, mm. is it just pure exhaustion? Are they just relieved to be getting to the break? Like, what exactly is the mood in the locker room right now? And I think this is going to be a test. Like we said, coming out of the break, let's see how they look. This is going to be a test for this team's culture. Yeah. Because if you're going to be that. If we have to have all these guys here, it's like, well, you know, we need Scott Lawton because of the culture and this and we have this coach and he's implementing this culture. A team with this kind of culture doesn't go on prolonged losing yeah. streaks. That's the like you can you can put a stop to it and put together one effort that gets you out of something. Hopefully they do that. Uh, while we have some time, though, I want to talk about this uh Ryan Paling extension okay. that uh, he signed basically during yesterday's show. Yeah. We spent the majority of yesterday's show talking about the Owen Tippett extension, and I'm happy for him. Uh, I'm happy the Flyers got it locked up. Happy we were able to end the narrative that, oh, everyone's going to leave. No one's ever going to stay. Everyone hates the organization. Like, no, it's just like, you know, Cutter Goche didn't want to be here. That's on him. Yeah. Uh, it's like Owen Tippett, who has played only – for John Tortorella in his tenure as the Flyers, uh, as a Flyer, uh, he just signed an eight-year contract. Yeah. And, like, if he gets hot, and that's the thing, like, he was hot when he got hurt. It doesn't seem like it's that serious. If he comes back and, like, all of a sudden is looking more consistently like a 40-goal guy, mm. the Flyers saved themselves some money right away. Yeah. Uh, but at the very least, they are paying him a fair amount. I'm j this is a good contract. It's yeah. it's not a bargain. Maybe it will be. Right now, it's not a bargain, but it's at least okay. Yeah. Uh, but this Ryan Paling extension, I, I'm fine. Like we made the point yesterday with with cap space, especially over the next couple of years mm -hmm. before Mitchkov gets here. Really, it, it doesn't matter. Like yeah. they're not going to go out on any sort of spending spree. It's not as like, I want them to try to give $14 million to Elias Pettersson. I seriously doubt they're going to do that. <laughs> it would be, you know, Oh, here's four, here's $14 million for a guy. And now we have to give Vancouver four first round picks. Like I doubt that that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but so like, the, the cap space doesn't really matter if you have to pay overpay by uh, like half a million bucks or something for a guy. It's not the end of the world. Two years, $1.9 million for Ryan Paling, though, seems like a little bit much. Uh, and that was when we didn't know the terms yesterday. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know, it, hopefully they just see him as a fourth liner. Like, hopefully they know what he is. Yeah. Giving him basically $2 million, I feel like they're hoping there's something else there. And while he's not old... I think he's old enough to know that he is what he is. Yeah, no. No, and, and uh, I know, like, the tanking crowd may not like this extension, but I, I look at it as a bigger picture. We talk about accountability and how this team is trying to instill that with, within this locker room. He has been accountable. He's been playing really well. And so why not pay off someone who's been playing really well? You, you're putting some more trust in the pillow. You got two years here to see what, what more he has. Maybe he could be part of that future. We found one of our centers here. So I, I think in general, I really did like this move. And you got it. You got to pay off the guys who've been working their ass off. And I think Palin deserved it.
Yeah, no, that's and that was uh, something I think that came up during Briere's uh, during the broadcast when they talked to Danny Briere. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute because now joining us, yeah, is Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter. It is Charlie O'Connor. Um, Charlie, what's the uh, best album you've listened to in the last couple of weeks? <laughs> no, I mean. This was, uh, we talked yesterday, like while it, like the Flyers tend to, when they're on like any sort of trend, buck the trend just because that's Flyers. So if they had won 6-2 today, it would be like, yeah, that's the Flyers. You know, they're getting killed and obviously they're going to beat, you know, the team that wins every, every game basically, which is Boston. But this was a fairly predictable result today. Just what, what did you see out there? Because I just see a team that's out of gas right now. What I saw really was a team that actually started out this game really strong. I thought they were energetic. I thought they had jump. I thought they were playing exactly the way they wanted to They wanted to play. And then I saw a team that once Boston scored that first goal and once the Flyers realized that all the hard work they had put in over the first, you know, 10, 15 minutes of the game was for nothing, I saw that little light bulb in their heads of, oh, here we go again. And it just seems like over this last week or so, they are starting to get it in their heads that bad things are going to happen. This is the, it's the mentality that they lost for most of the first half of this year. But it's a mentality that is, it has dogged this team for years where they let one goal turn into three. They let things snowball. And they've done a really good job this year for the most part of avoiding that. But today I saw a team that I think is, Right now, they're just letting the frustration get to them, and they're, they're, there's a little bit of woe is me in that room right now, mm -hmm. which is why I do think this is, and I, I basically asked this to Travis Sanheim in the locker room after the game, I think this is the perfect time for, for this break. And, and look, I think they're banged up. I think they're tired. The schedule's been tough. But I think a lot of this is mental, and a lot of this boils down to the fact that, you know, you look at the, the Tampa game, the Colorado game, like they probably, especially the Colorado game, like, they outplayed the Avalanche in that game. They they did not probably deserve to lose 3-0 to the uh, the Detroit Red Wings. The two goals are just weird bounces. They've had a lot of bounces over this last week go against them, and I just feel like this game was the culmination of that in the sense that it's happened enough over these last few games that the Flyers are starting to expect bad things to happen when one bad thing happens. And to me, that was the story of this game where – the Flyers team from early December and even the Flyers team from a couple weeks ago probably just has that first goal get scored against them. And they're like, oh, well, we'll score the next one. No big deal. Whereas where their head is, their heads are at right now is, oh, no, here we go again. And that's how one goal turns into four. I, I think guess that's what happened here. I, uh, there's no real way for you to know because, like, they don't. You know, it's, but yeah. is this um, like this is a concerning trend the snowball effect happening to this team because as we like we've spent years documenting like you just said like one goal will turn into three because they're like oh fuck here we go you know like yeah. that happens to this team and it was one of those things that was a serious like it was very obvious they weren't letting that happen to them do you think this is a uh this reversion to that i guess is this because of physical and mental exhaustion right now or is it like a concerning trend because they are who they are and they're realizing it again? 
Yeah, I don't really buy that. I guess we'll see over the final 30 games of the year. If they completely collapse, then maybe they are closer to the bad flyers than we thought they were. But I just think it's the culmination of a lot of things. I think it's the schedule. I think it's the travel. I think it's the fact that they've lost some key players like Owen Tippett. They have other key players like Konechny and Katuri, who I'm pretty sure are playing banged up. And I'm going to mention the elephant in the room. Like, Carter Hart is going through this thing right now where, you know, this is this has got to be a tough situation for these guys. Like, they're friends with this guy, and now, while we don't know for sure why he's taking leave of absence, I think there is a general assumption that it probably has something to do with the Hockey Canada scandal. And that's got to be tough for these guys. And I'm not saying that, you know, it's certainly much, much tougher for the victim, obviously. But, like, this is a weird situation, I'm sure, for the Flyers players in that they are friends with this guy who now very well in the next couple of weeks might be charged with a terrible crime. And this is a room that I think has – it's a very tight room. It's a very close room. And they have overachieved in some ways because of how tight the room is. And now you kind of just have a bomb thrown in this room. And I think that that probably plays into it is that it was it was jarring. Like no one was going to admit it, but I'm sure it's been it's been jolting. And again, it's another reason why I think that having a week away from it all where they could just kind of clear their heads is probably exactly what the doctor ordered for this team right now. Hey, Charlie, JP over here. Uh, real quick, I just want to talk about Sam Harrison. I'm not sure if Torts mentioned it in the presser as well after, but, you know, four goals on 14 shots, gets pulled before the second period. Was that just for his confidence or was there something else as well? Well, I don't think it was for his confidence. I think Tortorella believes that Harrison is a very confident goalie. I do think that it wasn't a statement against Harrison. Okay. The, the, the television cameras picked up the two of them having a conversation at the tunnel. Um, it, you couldn't obviously hear. I don't, I'm not a lip reader. It certainly seemed like that was Tortorella. Kind of just getting you out of here to try to you know spark something from the players. And also, I don't want you to have to have nine goals on your on your you know, on your resume by the end of this game because the guys just don't have it. And then after the game today, Tortorella essentially said, don't pin this on Sam. This game isn't on Sam. So I do not think this was a case of Tortorella being frustrated with Arison. And look, aside from being a person who just reflexively blames the goalie for every single goal because they think the goalie should be Superman, like the vast majority of the goals that were scored against Sam Harrison today were not really Sam Harrison's fault. Like, oh, you're, you're going to pin a wide-open backdoor Charlie McAvoy on him? Like, that's not Harrison's fault. There was one that was a weird friggin' bounce. Like, these are not the kinds of goals that unless you are just someone who believes the goalie should stop everything and anything else is an excuse – this was not Arison's fault, and I think John Tortorella fully knows that. I think, truthfully, what it boils down to, and very few people probably want to hear the way hockey goes, Sam Arison, since November 3rd, was on an incredible heater. And was he playing really well? He absolutely was. I am not diminishing the way he was playing. Was he probably also getting a lot of bounces in his favor, too? Yeah, probably. Like, that's how you hold a 930 save percentage for two and a half months. I think what's happened over these last few games is that I don't think he's been playing terribly. His game has probably slipped a bit, but I don't think he's been playing terribly. It's just that he's no longer getting any of the bounces. And now the bounces are going against him. And I think the team realizes that. I think the coach realizes that. And I hope a lot of fans realize realize that that this isn't like oh my god Sam Harris is turning back into a pumpkin like this is hockey 
I'm not watching Sam Harrison and seeing a goalie who's been terrible. I'm seeing a goalie who we, we talk about how shooters can be snake bit. I'm seeing a goalie that's a little snake bit right now. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, Sam Harrison. Listen, uh, he played 18 games. I think it's like 17 starts in there. Like you said, 930 save percentage from what was it November 3rd to January 20th. The last four starts, he is an 820 save percentage. Um, uh, he hasn't been good enough, but like he hasn't been the worst goalie to ever put on pads either. Like that's exactly. not what's happening right now. You know, yeah. he's not that fucking bad. It's just, yeah, I think he's somewhere in the middle of this 930 and 820. And like, well, I hope he's not somewhere in the middle. Uh, that just, would still make him like an 870. Or no, something. that's still not very, I, not it, God damn it, Charlie, you and your freaking math. <laughs> I just mean like he was, he probably didn't deserve to be at 930 and now it's leveling out a little bit. Uh, and that's just what happens, but he does need to be maybe a little better, but it's really yeah. hard to, it's really hard to pin this on him when yeah. like that Danton Heinen goal, that's a triple deflection. You know, like, what's he supposed to do? He's got two arms, not six. So <laughs> I just, I want to talk, Charlie, because, like, what the hell are we supposed to say about this game? Um, I guess, was there any, um, was there any mention of Joel Farabee trying the Michigan or it's like not today because uh, lots of, it was a horrible day. No, that is, <laughs> that is the kind of question you asked John Tortorella after yes. a win. And like the idea of asking him about the Michigan after they get blown out six to two, like, come on, that, that that's when you have to pick your spots as a reporter. I didn't think you would have asked, but someone who maybe isn't the number one beat reporter in Philadelphia, maybe it came up, but that was my joke to JP earlier was like, you know, I bet he didn't, I bet torts didn't have a problem with it at the moment. Cause like, that's when the team was looking good. And it was like, Oh, they have some jump. Uh, after the fact, I bet you he's retroactively annoyed because Maybe. because then they go on to lose six to two. Uh, but because, again, what the hell else are we going to talk about? I want to talk about the Ryan Paling extension a little bit um, because we talked about it briefly during yesterday's show, but we didn't really know the terms. Still not official, I don't think. Uh, the Flyers haven't announced no, it not. like they have Owen Tippett, but it seems as if it's a thing uh two years 1.9 million uh he signed one times one and uh, 1.4 last summer now they're extending him what what do you make of uh, like two million bucks for two years of ryan paling it's fine uh, to me like he was he was going to get a raise because he has played good like i think he's played better this year than he did last year and last year, as you said, he got that particular cap hit. So he was going to get a cap hit higher than that if he was going to sign. Like, you're not going to be like, hey, Ryan, we love how you've played. Here's a two-year contract with a $1 million a year cap hit. Like, if you like how I play, then you should pay me more money. So he was going to get a raise. I don't think this is ridiculous. $1.9 isn't ridiculous, especially with the cap going up over the next couple of years. I think it's going to look more and more reasonable over time. My big concern with Ryan Paling, and this is more of a torts concern, is... I do not think Ryan Paling is a top nine player and the insistence upon continuing to use him on one of the top three lines on a regular basis, I do not think is the right way to go. That said, in Tortorella's defense, when Scott Lawton is playing this crappy, I can understand why it's like, well, I might not love Ryan Paling in the top nine, but I really don't like this version of Scott Lawton in the top nine. So sure, you're a top nine guy for now. 
I am fine with this signing as long as Ryan Paling, for the most part, over these next couple of years, is using a fourth-line role. I think he is a great fourth-line center. I think he's a fantastic fourth-liner. He's a really good penalty killer. I think he has been... I wouldn't say he's been incredible, but he's been impressive. He's impressed yeah. me this year. I think he's been good, but I think he's at his best in a fourth line penalty killing role. And as long as they use him in that role, like I'm, I'm fine paying a little bit of a premium for someone who I view as a really good fourth line center who's still in his mid twenties and maybe still has a little bit more upside. I just hope they are trying to shoehorn him into like the eighth or ninth forward role on this team over the next two years. I don't think he's that good. Just because you mentioned Lawton, and that's kind of where I wanted to go with this, do you think that this signing in any way indicates maybe Scott Lawton is more expendable or more likely to be traded now that they kind of have... Now, I don't believe he belongs in that role, but they kind of have a younger, faster version of how they've used Scott Lawton the last few years. Look, it's an interesting question, and I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've speculated the same thing in conversations up here in the press box. Like, I wonder what this means for Scott Lawton. The short, the, the real answer is like, I don't know. They could very easily keep Scott Lawton even while you've free-signed Ryan Paling. I don't think it is – I don't think this is a case of you can only have one. I do think this this makes it easier if someone gives you a good offer for Scott Lawton, that makes it easier for you to consider trading because you have another center, you have another guy who can kind of be that Swiss army knife type player. So I think it, it maybe opens the door a bit more, but I don't think this is like, I don't think they signed Ryan Paling because it allows you to then trade Scott Lawton. I think maybe it makes it more palatable to trade Scott Lawton if the right circumstances arise. But I don't think this is Danny playing three-dimensional chess and saying, well, if I sign Paling, then we can get a first-round pick for Lawton, and then this, this, this. Like, if Lawton gets traded, the Paling signing probably was part of it, but not because it was always the plan. It's just because Paling gives you more depth and allows you to survive, at least on the ice, Scott Lawton no longer being in the lineup because you have a guy who can play center, who can play wing, who can be a penalty killer. It doesn't kill you as much. Now, obviously, the big thing would be the off-ice concerns. Scott Lawton is one of the big leaders on the team, still the only person wearing a letter. So I don't know if they would be willing to toss that aside. <laughs> on the ice, though, yeah, I mean, the Paling signing definitely makes it easier to swallow if someone blows you away with a trade-off for Scott Lawton. Sure. Charlie, real quick, uh, this is a good one here. I want to grab from the comments section. So two of the better players here tonight, were, or today I should say, were Forrest and Excel. Uh, they, they, you could tell that they had some chemistry, and they, they worked their ass off. For you, what, what were you noticing from both of them? Well, Lixell is just, he's playing with pace. He looks more, I'm trying to think of the right word. He just looks more ready for the NHL this time than he did last yeah. time in terms of being willing to try things. He's trying to make offensive plays rather than the last time. And I'm, I'm not even counting the eight minutes he played against Arizona earlier this year. I'm comparing him to how he looked last year when he got called up. He just seems like a player who's more willing to take chances. And that's exactly what John Tortorella wants to see from him. Now, I didn't love, I thought he, I thought he was noticeable in this game. I didn't think he was great. And just being willing to take chances isn't enough. Like, I know he picked up an assist today, but, like, he, if he's going to stick at the NHL level, he's going to score. Not, you know, a point-per-game guy, but he's going to mm -hmm. need to score at least, like, a third liner, and so far he hasn't shown that. But at the very least, putting yourself in the position to score makes it more possible that you could actually score enough to stick at the NHL level. So I'm happy he's taking a step. It's not nearly enough, 
but I'm happy he's taking a step. And we'll see if he stays in the lineup once so and Tippett comes back after the break. I'm curious if they're just going to send him back, if this was his audition, or if they're going to keep him up and keep giving him a look. I guess we'll find out when, if and when Owen Tippett comes back. I think Luxell was fine, but you need to see more from him. If he's going to be an NHLer, you need to see more from him. As for Forrester, you know, I really loved the first goal mm-hmm. because that's the kind of goal if he's going to be a, a legitimate goal scorer at the nhl level that's the kind of goal he needs to score on a regular basis where it's a battle along the boards he out muscles a defenseman takes the puck to a high danger area and then lets loose a legitimately really good accurate shot if he's going to be a goal scorer like he's never going to be a guy who's going to be dominant off the rush like owen tippett he just doesn't have the physical ability. He doesn't have the skating. It's not his game. If he's going to be a goal scorer, he's going to have to, A, score a lot of goals from around the net, you know, rebounds, you know, close-in shots, things like that. And he's going to need to have to create shots off of – I mean, this wasn't even really a cycle, but this was – it was not a, a fast-paced play. This was a win a battle, take the puck to a dangerous area, showcase the shot. That's his formula for being a 25, 30, 35 goal scorer at the NHL level. And it was exciting to see it because so much of this year with Forrester, we've been talking about, you know, well, he's got the tools. He should be able to score, but we're not seeing it. This was only one game. It was only one play. But we did see why the Flyers think he will ultimately be a goal scorer at the NHL level. And that was exciting. I was I was definitely happy to see like we talked a couple of shows ago He's he's been trying a little bit more. It looks like his confidence might be building a bit. Uh, and not only does he make the play, you know, winning a battle down low and then turning that into an, a, a chance, but he makes a move and he it shows a little bit of that power. It was a little Mark Stoneish, and I'm starting to see. I'm starting to see him try stuff, and that can only mean he's building more confidence. And that's uh, that's exciting for me, Charlie, because. I expect them to bounce back after this, but if this just becomes, oh, yep, the uh, last 32 games, it's rebuild is on time, at least there's a guy we can really focus in on and be like, he's better than he was at the start of the season. So that's that's something. Um, Let's get to your three stars, Chuck. Star number three. (laughs) Yeah, star number number three, I'll go with uh, a guy who I have been critical of Uh, for a while, basically ever since uh, he was taken with the sixth overall pick in the draft way back in uh, 2017. Pavel Zaka I thought was really good in this game for Boston. Uh, Two assists, leads the team in ice time. He just played really well as a playmaker, and I've never really been a fan of his game, but in Boston, because they just don't have any centers, he's now a top six center, and Today, he showed me why he's been a successful top six center for the Bruins this year. He looked really good. It's painful. Let's get to star number two. Star number two, I will give it to uh, Linus Olmark uh, for Boston. Again, um, don't hold your breath. There aren't any flyers in these three stars. They played like crap. But Olmark, I felt like, especially early, the flyers... If they get one of those early chances to go in, this is a totally different game. I don't yeah. think they let things snowball. But Olmark, Olmark stood on his head over the first 10, 10 or so minutes of this game, kept Boston in it while they were finding their legs. And then, obviously, once they score one goal, they score a bunch. But I don't think that happens if the Flyers poke one in, you know, six, seven minutes into the game. Olmark was at his best when he had to be at his best. And he ultimately finishes with 35 saves on 37 shots. So pretty darn good game by the numbers as well. So he is my number two star. 
And let's get to the inevitable star number one. <laughs> I mean, Drum it's roll. very clearly the guy who just kills the Flyers every time. Every time. It's David Pasternak. I believe he's now at 26 goals in 29 games against 26 the Flyers. 26 and 29, yep. Absolutely bonkers. They just cannot stop this guy. And, and, and in fairness, he is one of the probably like 15 or so best players in the world. Maybe higher than that. I'd have to really dive into the numbers. But, I mean, he is a bona fide superstar. He's great. And it's just against the Flyers, he starts playing like Connor McDavid rather than just merely one of the best players. He plays like the best player in hockey. And this is just another example of him playing like the best player in hockey against the Flyers. He was dominant pretty much from start to finish. He could have finished this game with five goals and it wouldn't have shocked me. I, uh, I, I just have a few more things for you, Chuck. Um, because you mentioned pasta there, the, there's a little bit of a concerning trend for me. The fact that, listen, sometimes the best players are just the best players. They take over. There's nothing you can do about it. But the fact that Pasternak goes off today, I mean, maybe he doesn't even because, like, he's got four hat tricks in the last two and a half years against the Flyers. They held him to two, I guess you could say. Um, but Pasta goes off today. Kucherov goes off a couple of games ago. McKinnon yep. goes off. Now, again, they're great players. At home, when you can match up, is this a little bit of a concerning trend? Well, I think it's concerning. Like, I don't think it's concerning from a coaching standpoint. What's concerning to me is, like, to me, the biggest reason why these star players are playing so well over this last stretch against the Flyers is because Sean Gatari isn't playing his best hockey. I think he's banged up. I think it's going to help him to get this week off because I think he is definitely laboring. And Travis Sanheim isn't playing his best hockey. I mean, obviously mm -hmm. that six goal was a total disaster. But even before that, he's been he's been scuttling. He has not yeah. been the number one defenseman that he was over most of the first half of the season. And when your one C, who is the guy you send out against the best players, is struggling, and your one D, who is also the guy you send out against the team's best players, is struggling, you're probably going to give up a lot of goals to the team's best players when the guys who you entrust with shutting down those players are both in a rut. And I think they're both in a rut. Konechny's in a rut. These a lot of the guys who were allowing the Flyers to hang tough against and opponents' top players are struggling at the moment, and I think the opposition is taking full advantage of it. I think that's really what's going on here. Charlie, real quick, have you ever seen a player dominate the Flyers the way Pasternak has over these past couple years? You're really putting me on the spot here. Like, <laughs> the, 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 look, the obvious answer is Crosby because he just utterly destroys the Flyers. Like, it's it's honestly become a joke at this point that he just he has to score, especially if they're playing in Philly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Pasternak is the, – the difference between Crosby and Pasternak at the moment is that while Crosby is still very, very good, he is not in the heart of his prime the same way that Pasternak very clearly still is. And Crosby is Crosby. Obviously, mm -hmm. the Flyers fans boo him like crazy, and then he tears their hearts out. But Pasternak right now – is dynamic in a way that Crosby no longer is. Still great player, still a fantastic, fantastic player for the Penguins and an all-time great. But Pasternak is dynamic in a way that Crosby isn't anymore, so Pasternak's dominance against the Flyers right now is just more glaring because he's just a wow player who does wow things on the regular against this team.
No, and I think that's what's crazy about it is like the obvious comparison is Crosby, and Crosby is one of the greatest players of all time. Now, Pasta's awesome, but like he ain't that. And against yeah. the Flyers, he is. It's truly yeah. freaking insane. All right, uh, do you have anything else, JP? I do not. Enjoy the rest of your day. Saturday. All right, Charlie. No, enjoy time. this. Uh, enjoy this Jeez break. Uh, Charlie will be with me. For some of the shows next week, all of our live shows are at three, but he's going to take a little vacation because much like the Flyers, deserved, he has earned it. Uh, so, Chuck, I'll see you Monday and Tuesday, and then we'll see about after that. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Later, bud. See you, Charlie. Uh, yeah, it's, man, <laughs> everyone needs a little bit of a uh, of a break right now. But they're going to be back. The Flyers are going to come back. Now, Liz, uh, I'm not going to tell you to buy Flyers tickets right now. That's not how I'm going to set up the game time read. Um, look ahead to other things. You know, you have Joel Embiid putting on a freaking show every single night. I'm sure there's going to be things going on at the Wells Fargo Center while the Flyers are off that maybe you're interested in. Check out some concerts. Uh, you know, summer concert lineups starting to come together. Lots of things to look forward to. If you want to check out some live events, the best way to do it, it's with Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, Baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more, and the game time guarantee means you always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And while we're here, uh, you know, you probably, if you're buying tickets, maybe you're looking for something to wear to these games that you bought oh, yeah. all these tickets to. You got to go to FOCO for the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. Whether you're looking for team apparel for the season ahead, they've got overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, anything you need for game day. Or maybe you need some accessories, toys, or collectibles for your man cave, she shed, or podcast set. You've got to use FOCO for all your team gear needs. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in the description of the show. For all non-presale items, use promo code PHLY10. That's PHLY10 for 10% off at FOCO today. All right, I don't have a whole lot more uh, here, JP. I will say this. My main concern right now is where the culture's at with this team. I know, like, this fan base may be divided. Some of us want to see them in the playoffs. Some of us want to see the tanking back on. But, like, you look at today's circumstance, right? It's Mark Recchi Day, right? We're, we're honoring Mark Recchi as going into the Hall of Fame. Boston, who's been killing us with Pasternak, is in town, and you get absolutely destroyed. Now, we obviously are waiting for them to get in the break, possibly reset and come back and, and fire on all cylinders. That's going to be super crucial because it right is. now the fan base, I don't know, we don't know what the, the locker room is feeling right now, but right now as a fan base, I think a lot of people have seen, seen deja vu a little bit, and that's where we don't want to go to. So 
get to get that reset everyone here in this next week and when we come back fire on all cylinders now there might be the people out there who are like fuck it lose for the rest yeah, of the season right. but for what this team is doing for the way they're trying to build this thing it is vitally important that they get back on track after the exactly. break like they are they are not going for it. Like they're not going to try to trade for somebody, you know, they're not going to surrender assets to bring in somebody for a playoff push, but they are trying to thread a needle of like, we're going to rebuild and we're resetting. Like if the culture is just as important as the players. Yeah. All right. You're not adding any players. That means the culture needs to be what resets here. Yeah. That's what gets them back on track. Like, it's vitally important that they get this thing back together because if not, where are they? Yeah. Like they don't have the high end talent and we're not really sure how they're going to get it other than Mitchkov coming, you know, yeah. like it's kind of, all right, well, you're going to have to buy some guys, make some <laughs> trades, but all right, the high end talent's one thing, but it's all about this culture. All like that means that leadership group, the mood of the room, the coaching, all of that is going to get this team back to where they were. Otherwise, what do they have? Yeah. Like, and I, I expect them to be considerably better coming out of this break because for all the reasons we've talked, you know, the goalie needs a reset. Half the team's hurt. Like all this stuff. Owen Tippett's going to be back. Hopefully, he said he's aiming for the first game after the break. Mm -hmm. I expect it, but like we said earlier, this is a crucial point in the season and like in the direction of this rebuild, I think. Yeah, no. And like, I think the extensions were very indicative of that because you're not just giving extensions to Owen Tip and Ryan Paling because you, because they truly do feel like they can be integral pieces for this team for the next couple of years. And that also does mean bill that they have to push for the play. Even if you don't make it now, you have to make that push for the playoffs because like you mentioned, it's about the culture. And if they don't even if they don't make it, but they still fight hard, I think that still will be good for that culture. If they are like my fear right now is that March and April, they're playing fake games like they have the last couple of years. Like these games have no meaning. And so whatever we see out of certain players, it's like, yeah, but it was an exhibition game. So who, <laughs> like did it? Are they actually this good? Or was it like, yeah, they're just kind of skating out there and yeah. someone scored like, cool. You know, it's, I think it's very important for what they're doing for the games in March and in the first couple weeks of April to have some kind of meaning beyond, uh, you know, a couple of dudes hoping to make a few extra bucks in the off season, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it's just, a, it's a big deal for them to get this thing going. Hey, before we get out of here, I got to tell you, I know you're probably not in the mood to be supporting the Philadelphia Flyers right now, especially with your wallets. Uh, <laughs> but we have some new merch that I am going to push on you. Support and us. Yes, you, you can support us without, like, none of this money goes to the Flyers. You know, Jamie Drysdale doesn't get paid for this shirt. Uh, you know, dry guy, the fly guy, he does want to be here. It's true. Uh, we, we have this new design. Obviously, the Mad Russian stuff is still available, and we have this really cool, uh, we're, I'm calling that Charlie O'Connor, honestly, now. That's, that's Charlie. Charlie's a hockey player. That's that's Charlie as uh, in beer league. If I don't, I don't think Charlie plays, but um, it's, I, I like this cartoon shirt. It reminds me of the old cartoon Legion of Doom shirts. We have a few new designs, uh, the mad Russian stuff. Sounds Thank good. you for your support with that. There's still some of those available.
available. But the uh, Dry Guy, the Fly Guy, and these new vintage cartoons also available at phlylocker.com. So check it. that out because uh, everyone seems to really dig our merch. Uh, I hope you buy it because it makes me look good. And really, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. All buy right. that merch, guys. Yes. This has been PHLY Flyers presented by Mortgage CS. Check out mortgagecs.com slash PHLY to start your home buying process today. Company NMLS ID number 1464766. All right. Uh, we will be back Monday. All of our shows are at 3 o'clock. We have a few fun surprises coming up for you, a few guests and things lined up for the bye week. But that will do it for us for this week. My name is Bill Matz. For JP, for Charlie, have a great weekend, Philly. See you guys. We all city like the mayor. 